Hey guys, it is Kevin here bringing to you another episode of The Kevin and Fred Show with one of my friends as a guest, Mr. Steve Pilkington. I'm so excited for today's episode, which we're going to get to in one moment where Steve and I talked about some really cool things. Um, Title of this episode is The Responsibility of Team Leaders and How to Separate Stage Talk from Truth in Real Estate, something that's so important to me. It's a conversation that Steve and I have had offline many, many times over the years, and I think you're going to really, really enjoy this one. We talk about other things like how to change the way we see our business, um, how going deeper and not wider is really the answer to the business we're after, how we pour more into our relationships, and how ego can tend to be the thing that holds us back from actually getting more. So I hope you enjoy my conversation here today with my good friend, longtime friend, Steve Pilkington, who is a real estate agent in uh, or broker rather in the Denver, Colorado area. And also do me a favor before you start this episode or right after, please go over to rate this podcast.com forward slash NLA. That is rate this podcast.com forward slash N. L-A. That stands for Next Level Agents, by the way. RateThisPodcast.com forward slash NLA. Please give us a rating on your favorite uh, your favorite podcast review site. We would so appreciate it. All right. Without further ado, please enjoy today's episode with my good friend, Mr. Steve Pilkington. Steve, what's up, dude? Not much, brother. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got the chance to do this, man. We uh, This should be fun. You and I have had so many conversations over the years off uh you know off record I'm, I'm i'm excited to kind of get one on record awesome yeah stoked to be here yeah so steve let's do this man for uh maybe for the folks that don't know you yet who you know haven't run across you give us a give us a two-minute intro who's steve pilkington uh with with path home team in denver and kind of just let's start there just give us your quick little bio and then i'm going to kind of ask you some questions and we're going to bounce around on a few things yeah for sure dude um so um Married, three kids, um, came from North Idaho originally, but we moved to Denver after being in uh, West LA for about uh, 10 years. Uh, my background was investment banking before getting into uh, real estate. So I actually used to sit on like Countrywide's bond desk. So yeah, the whole like mortgage crisis, I was at ground zero for a lot of that. Um, and uh, yeah, paid my way through college by doing uh, construction work. So getting into residential real estate seemed like it was a good blend of mixing the finance side and then also the uh, the actual like the material side of it. I've uh, been in real estate since 2008. Since then, uh, formed a team in 2011. Uh, the team sold over 2,000 transactions. Wow. I'm probably personally somewhere in that like 750 mark right now. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, uh, we've been with a couple of different brokerages. Um, current iteration is we're with Compass, um, yet uh, we're always like looking for what's the, wh- what can we give our clients like the best opportunity with and what, what can we give our agents the best opportunity to earn with, um, which is uh, why you and I talk so often about stuff. Yeah, so. I was going to say, man, I feel like that's been a um, theme of so many of our conversations for, for probably a decade, man. Um, mm-hmm. It's centered around how do I either provide better to the consumer and, and up my game on the consumer side? How do I up my game on the agent side that I'm servicing who, you know, or that I'm partnered with on my team. And I think that's why we've been able to have a lot of cool conversations. I got to say too, man, another investment banker guy who finds his way into real estate, obviously (laughs) my good friend and, uh, and and your acquaintance, Andrew Franklin, Mm -hmm. um, who, who is one of just the smartest, nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life. And, most successful as well, you know, also in 
in in uh, investment banking prior to real estate, you guys are gonna you guys are gonna have to stop. Like, tell your old, tell all your old colleagues, like, stop coming into real estate. We leave some houses for the rest of us. Right. Yeah. And, and Andrew is the man. I love Andrew. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things I, uh, I enjoy so much about our relationship is that we have, uh, we both have really good networks of people yeah. and I've met so many fantastic people from going to some of your guys' events and just like participating in, in just interactions. And Andrew's one of those ones where I'm really grateful to meet through you guys. So he's, he's a stud. So yeah, he's a, he's a solid dude, but all right. Anyway, so you got it. So you get into real estate in 2008. Um, Dude, what, what was that like? What, what was, so you're, you're in Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, I know here in Arizona, I had, you know, I got licensed middle of 07. Fred and I started working together beginning of 08. So our timelines aren't too far different here. Mm -hmm. The market was falling apart. What was going on there in Denver when you first got licensed? Oh, it was totally falling apart. So like my first three listings that I took as a new agent were all short sales. Um, yeah, which is fantastic. So, I mean, my wife and I, we moved here as a lifestyle play. Um, neither of us grew up in Denver. Uh, her family was actually retiring out to Denver. And so we kind of interviewed cities at the end of 2007 to figure out where we wanted to live. Um, Scottsdale, where you guys are, was, was on our list. Um, ultimately, uh, that was going to be more banking. And we ended up deciding on Denver because um, it was like a good blend of, of seasons, good blend of having some family there. And we got here and the market was terrible. And so my first first couple of years was all going out to houses, meeting with individuals and telling them that for the most part, that their house wasn't worth as much as what they thought it was or what they owed on it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it was a challenge. Uh, that being said, I, I was able to get, uh, I earned the rookie of the year award uh, at the time. It was with Ke uh, Keller Williams. And um, so it was a good start. Um, but I also give full disclosure to everyone I recruit. So my rookie of the year uh, award that year, I think I did a top line of like 76,000 in commission and a bottom line of like 39,000. So I went from banking where I was earning a, a multiple, multiple of that to then getting into real estate. And people were like patting me on the back, even though I was going broke, um, at the time. Um, so, so fun. You can own your own business too. Um, yep. right. So that's, that's the reality. That's the ugly side of real estate that not, not enough people talk about, which I think is why, you know, it's also one of the things I've, I've loved about our friendship and connection over the years is, um, you're not afraid to be real. I'm not afraid to be real. And I think that's, that's held up, helped us have some good conversations, which ultimately help us both build our businesses and kind of fulfill what, what we're going after. So you mentioned something, so you started building a team out. So obviously you started having some success beyond that rookie, that rookie year where you, where you crushed <laughs> it and made all that money. Uh, yeah. but in, so you, did you say in 2011 is when you first decided to start building out a real estate team? Yeah, exactly. So it, um, so 2008 was the first year, 2009. Um, I had a nice improvement, uh, 2010 again, was starting to have an improve, like it was going up from there, but it wasn't really growing the way I wanted. I encountered a lot of those challenges that uh, a lot of new agents do where you're scared to hire your first assistant. Um, like the number one thing, when I look back and I talk to new agents and they're like, what advice do you have? Um, like number one, get yourself with the right coach, the right organization, the right mentorship. So you can fast forward and not have to make all the mistakes yourself. And number two, figure out what gives you energy and what you're really good at. I should have learned after the first year that if I had to go into the office like once a month and stay there until two in the morning submitting paperwork, maybe I shouldn't have been the person responsible for the paperwork. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so in, in the beginning, it was a lot of uh, going through those trials. And then it got to the point where I was, I was attracting more business than I could handle. And I was very fortunate. I met a, a business partner, or I met a gentleman in the office and we ended up becoming business partners and had a very successful partnership until um, that came to an end in 2018. Um, and we're still 
great friends. He just had an amazing opportunity to go lead a, co a coaching program. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we, we grew organically um, and, and we went through ebbs and flows. Like in 2015, we did 223 transactions. And then in 2016, we started, we changed up our model instead of just doing the consistently working to build on top of what we were already doing we saw the success people were having with radio and I got wooed because the radio people said that, uh, um, we'd get a free trip to see the Broncos Super Bowl, And that was the Super Bowl they won. And so like from that aspect, it was worth it. Um, the fallout though, was that we changed a lot of our model on the team. It didn't really, uh, land well. We lost some agents. Uh, we spent a ton of money on marketing and then we ended up just kind of moving back to our roots, um, which has been primarily, um, networking, prospecting, working the database in the sphere. We definitely get internet leads. We definitely get a lot of those other, um, kind of lead generation sources that, that you'd hear about. Um, but we knew that like following the model of having agents be mentored by someone a little more senior, um, versus just running a hardcore call center. And that, that, that just worked for us. So, yeah, well, you know, there's all, there's also, this is one thing I love, man, is there's so many different ways to succeed and, um, you know, that hardcore call center model, it can work. Like it does work yeah. for some, but it, it does, it's most definitely not for everyone. And I think it's, it's hard, man. I, I appreciate the fact that you have the um, awareness to go, yeah, I, I made that mistake. I, maybe I shouldn't have gone that way because it really is not in your, in your strength zone and the way you really want to show up. I always refer to it as like um, the relationship that I want to have with my business is kind mm -hmm. of dictates like the model and the things I'm, that we're willing to do and not do. And um, it's so, I see so many people fall in the trap of like, oh, she does this and she does that. So I'm going to do it. And the, in, in most cases, like shouldn't be doing that. It should be sticking to the things that are most true to your natural, you know, your natural behavior and the way your business should operate. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. It's like one of the other agents uh, that uh, Danny McElroy actually said this, I'm going to give Danny a shout out. He said, it's uh, you go to some of these events and it's like the Kabuki show that you see this big performance up on stage and you're like, oh my God, that's what I got to do. Like um, you hear some of the numbers people have, you see how fast they've grown and you're like, I'm doing it wrong. Um, when you look at it, it's like, if it's not in alignment with how you naturally are, if it's not in, if it's not going to give you energy, if you're not building on something you've already established, then it's just a distraction. It's that shiny, shiny rock, the, the squirrel, whatever you want to call it. So it's tough too, man, because you do like, regardless of, I don't care what event you're at, whether it's a, a company event for a brand or, or just something that's a little bit, you know, um, different, maybe like a coaching company or something like that. The but thing is people get on stage and then they have, they're on stage usually because they have big numbers. Doesn't mean they have a good business, mm -hmm. but they have big numbers. Right. And so they're, they're kind of put on a pedestal and it's for most people, I think it can be hard to discern between what's real that they're sharing and like, what am I like? I think the most important thing that people don't think to ask is what are they not saying? What's the detail that's been left out? Because though that's where the, that's where the devil is, right? It's in those, it's, it's in those types of details. And so people, they get this idea from what I always call stage talk of, I'm going to run out and I'm going to do what Steve does. I can do just Steve made it look so easy. Well, Steve made it look easy because it's like what Steve does or might Steve might be leaving the part out where he's not making money or, you know, whatever. Like there's all these different things you have from the from the stage talk that are I think are just so hard for most most real estate agents, probably 95 plus percent to discern from. You're so you're so correct on that. I can't tell you how many times I looked up on the stage and I got super amped on what somebody was doing. And then I would start digging into it further and I'd find out that 
well, they just went through a divorce and they're, they never see their family or they forgot to mention that they also had this other huge in or something else that, that made their situation a little bit unique. And, um, and it's funny early on, like I remember being told by one of my coaches, like you have to start with the end in mind. And that sounded like so nebulous. And it, it's like, I feel like the hardest thing that anyone can do in their business is really figure out like, what does that plan look like? What do you want your, what do you want your family life to look like? What do you really want your income to look like? Cause I spent years wanting to big, build this big, big, big team so that we could have, we could be on stage and we were on stage and then that wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. And, um, it didn't necessarily give me a better relationship with my kids. It didn't make my wife and I go on more vacations and adding extra agents onto the team didn't necessarily even make the life better, um, getting in alignment with the right people is what made the most sense. And so looking at like, um, like somebody really intelligent, uh, that I just listened to recently said that one of the biggest changes in his world was early on, he put profit on the P and L as an expense, um, which is kind of like that whole profit first model yeah. and making sure like, you know what, if the, if the company is going to grow, it's going to grow because we actually have revenue there that can be reinvested. It's not because we're going to sacrifice profit on it. And like you and I have talked about this so many times, like when you talk about teams that are big and have big numbers, but they may not be profitable. Um, I can't even tell you how many years I had running a team where if I would have just been focusing on building more um, kind of operations support to support my production, my net take home may have been significantly more. That being said, it's not a business. And that's where I think a lot of people need to figure out like what really does empower them. Um, Cause like some of my friends in real estate that absolutely crush it and make the most money, they don't have really big teams yet. They personally do a lot of deals, which comes with it's very profitable, but then you're also very much tied to your phone. You're very much there for your clients. You're always the person. And maybe that makes sense. Um, or if you want to go more the business route, then it's not like you're stepping away from all that. It's just, instead of having your, your clients, um, be your, your primary focus. Now it's your agents or your primary focus and helping them succeed and making sure that they're accomplishing what they want to accomplish. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that when they make that switch from business practitioner, where they're really out there doing it to business owner, the amount of volume and deals needs to go up significantly in order for you to make a revenue that makes sense, unless you're in a model where your agents aren't getting paid anything. And then you're going to be just recruiting constantly and have that revolving door of people coming and going, which is a bummer. Cause like, I know you, you're super passionate about making sure that your people are successful. And um, like early on, I remember somebody saying like, our culture is profit. And I thought that was like the worst thing ever. I was like, that is so terrible. Like that is like a terrible, terrible culture um, to focus on profit. Yet later on, as I encountered uh, individuals in the team who maybe weren't doing great because the, the model that we had, they were closing one deal a month and at the old split structure, that wasn't enough for them to, to thrive. And, and then when I started really seeing like, I have never encountered a team member who is happy long-term if they're not making money, if they're not hitting a certain amount of goal and they're able to provide for themselves, their family, whoever else that they want to make an impact with, then they shouldn't be doing this. And then the most like the, the best thing we can do as, as leaders in that business is help those individuals find their next path or their next place where they can succeed. Um, cause you're not doing them any favors, keeping somebody around if they're not succeeding. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. Know. No, dude, that's, um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's so many, good, so many good points there. Um, couple of things I, I would touch on and for, you know, more of observations is oftentimes you see the big team, um, they're not profitable if they are, 
oftentimes it's because that team leader is still heavily, heavily into production. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's, but it's just something to, to look at. It's like you said, like, Hey, I realized if I'd have just had some more systems and help on my own personal production, I'd have taken home a lot more money. So, hmm. you know, for some people, I I've seen some teams where, um, it's like the rainmaker or the team owners production is the actual profit in the business, but they got all this other stuff, right? And they got all the stuff that qualifies them to be on stage. And, you know, to me, that's just to your to your point, it's just not, it's not really helping anyone. Like, um, also going back, you said something that struck a chord, think, you know, think with the end in mind. And that's, I mean, that's literally the genesis of, of the, of my, of our team name, um, is begin with the end in mind or think with the end in mind. That's where group 4610 came from. But I, I think it's so hard, man. Like you're just, for most of us, we get into real estate. Um, you might've had, I don't know, maybe, maybe your story is different. Maybe you had some, uh, big savings cause you had a, you had a nice, uh, you, you know, you had a, you came from a different background than most people, but I think most of us get in this industry, try just like, we got to make money. Like it's our first time in full commission and we got to make money. And so there's no time to think with the end in mind. It's like, we're trying to think with the end of the month in mind. And then mm-hmm. once you do that, it's really, dude, without real purpose, like purposeful thought and action, it's hard to get out of that mindset. That's, I mean, what do you, what do you think when I say that? I, I think you're hundred percent correct. And like to give you a little snapshot in my background. So, I mean, my wife's an attorney. Um, she was working for a law firm back in LA part-time I was doing banking. So we we're making really good money and we were spending really good money because <laughs> our, our, our income, we kept seeing what like the next six months, the next 12 months would bring as I kept rising in the ranks. And so we were spending towards what we thought was going to be the income. And so when we moved here, it's like, we changed careers, moved locations, bought like a HUD property or like our first property that we owned was a HUD property that I personally remodeled, got pregnant with our first kiddo. Um, We were like living with her family for a while. And it was all about like, how can we make some revenue? And we went from like, I had a lot of company stock at the previous company and obviously countrywide stock didn't do that well. Um, And so like, I was, I was, I was buying more shares when it was like $45 a share only to have it drop down to like three, $4 a share. Um, And so we didn't, we didn't have a lot of money. It was, it was definitely a, a big stressor getting into it. And I think a lot of people get in not knowing that, like we all, we tell our new agents, like ideally three months minimum, six months is ideal for what you should have in the bank saved to cover your expenses, knowing that it's going to be a little bit of a ramp up period. Cause even if you find a client today, you might not get paid on that client for 60, 90, 120 days. Um, and I think there's a, there's a lot of teams out there that have that mindset of, and, and brokerages, which again, I, I can't really judge them. Everyone's got their own reason yet where they just bring in people, just wave in, wave in, wave in. And it's like for every 20 people that they bring in, maybe they keep one and then the other ones don't succeed. And that seems like a pretty brutal model in my estimation. I think it makes a lot more sense to really be particular about who you're partnering with um, to, you know, to ensure that they succeed too. So I, I, you know, I could, it's funny. I could, I could argue both sides of that. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. here's my perspective on this. So number one, I actually had this conversation. I had a, I had a mastermind last week with uh, about 30 people is really solid. And one of the guys in there is a close friend of mine. He's got an amazing hiring process. Like his agents, like don't just get into production. They really get into production and they're like, his retention is super high. And he's got this super heavy process on the front end. And for him, man, that thing totally works. And uh, I always say like, for me, my process on the front end is a lot simpler. However, 
you're you you can you can be fired quickly you're like or like you there's a failure to launch factor right because uh for for me i believe this and and it dude if you disagree i'm totally cool with like say it but i believe like you got to spend you're either spending the time on the front side or the back side mm-hmm. and so you either put your energy into making sure you partner with the right people and for in some scenarios you've got to you got to keep that door tighter and other scenarios where like for me I want to keep that. I want to keep that front door wider, and then mm-hmm. I will. I will thin out the herd actually after they come in the front door, and and work from there. And I think both can be done very humanistically and with that person in mind. But again, it, that goes back to me: like, who are we as a you know an operator? Who do we want to be with our business? You know, so I, I definitely don't disagree with you at all. And and uh, I remember you and I had a conversation. This may have been like five years ago, where we were agreeing that if we were presented with a hundred agent candidates that we could narrow down the top 20 that we felt would succeed at the highest level. Yet from those 20, we had no idea which like three or four were going to succeed at the highest level, which five were just going to completely no show. And then which ones in the middle were kind of do okay. Um, And so I agree you either, you spend a lot of time with people up at the front end or else you spend time getting them going. Um, But I think, I think one of the most important things is like, there's that whole book who, and it talks about uh, having so a scorecard. Um, and like, we didn't have a scorecard for a long time or else we'd have a scorecard that was like high water marks where if you make this, then you get to stay. But then because it was so hard, um, we would keep people all the time that weren't making it because we saw them putting in really good effort. Um, and one, one of my good friends who he actually founded um, Zoom sales location here in Denver and built it up to like 690 people um, before they went public. So he's doing pretty well right now. Yeah. So when, we, so we got together um, 2017, I remember this when he was really hiring people and I was hiring people and I was like, what are you looking for? And something that really resonated that he said is he goes, I look for people that have a chip. They have some kind of a chip on their shoulder. And he goes, not in like a nasty way. I'm looking for people that had a single mom and they want to support their mom. They've got a brother who's successful that they want to compare themselves to. They have family members who need help and they want to provide for them. They have a why. They have something that's that's internally motivating them. Um, and in fact, something that like really rang true. So when I was actually at the event with you guys in, in uh, Dallas just a couple months ago, Tony Robbins said, um, he was like, I can't motivate anyone. I can inspire someone. I can't motivate them. And hearing Tony Robbins say that is kind of like, in my mind, I keep thinking about like, how many times have I done like morning power-ups to make sure that people are there and getting excited. And then to make sure that they're getting on the phone prospecting and holding them in line with it. And there's nothing wrong with that model model at all. Yet I find that the people that were showing up there early, the people that showed up on their own, those were the ones that had that internal drive, that internal motivation. They had something to prove whether it's to themselves or someone else. And those folks have a tendency to do much better in it. Um, And so from that standpoint, like I'm always looking, if somebody's got a story behind it, um, we wave them in pretty quickly. Um, If somebody is just trying to like, kind of feel out, they like, they like real estate. They really want to go look at properties. They love their HGTV. They want to get into renovations. Those are the ones we're a lot more uh, careful with because those are the ones where like we've, we've gone through extensive interview process up front only to have someone show up after like three weeks of interviewing them. And they were like, okay, so you're going to farm to my neighborhood. And we're like, yeah. And the number one step is you need to call everyone in your neighborhood. And then we're going to print out this stuff. And then you can go door knock it and hand it out. And she was like, oh no, that's not what I signed up for. You guys were supposed to cover the marketing to my neighborhood. And then I was supposed to handle the inbound flow. And we're like, we never actually ever mentioned that once. So having really clear expectations with your people and even 
even doing a test drive where they may come in, they see how everything's running. They see what it looks like in the office, which has been a challenge through COVID because they just would see an empty space. Um, but uh, setting, setting, getting that scorecard, I think that's the most important thing. And whether you have a wide open door or you've got a more narrow door, it's just, you have to decide what model makes sense to you. So Yeah. Either way, I always tell people, either way, you're putting in time and energy. It's just where you're going to put it at. Um, yeah. And, and I don't, th- I don't, I don't believe that there's a wrong answer. There's a, there's a right answer for you and there's a right answer for me um, and, and for everyone else for that matter. So to- dude, I totally agree with that. So give me an idea, man. Like here we are, you and I are recording this. It's the, we're already in the fourth quarter of 2021. Um, what, like, what's your business look, look like and, or what are you maybe excited about for the future? Maybe, maybe 2022 and beyond. Um, when you think about your real estate business, like what are the types of things that Steve is thinking about, you know, on a daily basis that, that gets mm-hmm. you excited? Yeah. So, um, something that gets me really excited is helping all of my people generate wealth through real estate and through mo- and, and that sounds again, super nebulous. Um, but it always starts with, um, um, going out and doing transactions to earn some revenue. And I started getting everyone on my team, a copy of the book, um, the psychology of money. Uh, cause like, I can't tell you, like, I'm sure you and I both know people that are driving Range Rovers, even though they're selling, like, they may sell like three, $4 million a year, but they're driving Range Rovers, um, versus somebody who's selling, like, if you're, if you're doing $4 million a month as a solo person, you get your Range Rover. Yeah. Um, but otherwise like, no, there's no Range Rovers. Yeah. And so when I look at the team, it's a lot about, we've been working to, um, to crack the code for the Denver Metro area on what is the value that we provide to the agents, what is the split structure that they get from that, um, how can we help people align with our model and with what they want to accomplish. And we're doing a lot of growing into um, in the investment world. Um, one of my past coaches, he, uh, he recommended this book that I read called Acres of Diamonds, yeah. Um, which, yeah, again, awesome book. It's been out for like 70 years or something like that. And in my mind, like, like I've, I've been trying to chase all these different things, yet I wasn't going back to the relationships that I had with the, the business people that I knew, the investors that I knew. I was neg- I w- on the hunt to find like a new $500,000 listing. I was neglecting somebody that could stroke a $500,000 check to go into an investment property. Um, and so like I can say right now, I've got my first like $10.5 million property under contract. It's a, uh, it's a 33 unit multi-unit, um, and which is awesome. And helping more people generate wealth that way. And what I've seen is that the model we're running, of course, we've got different leads with different prospecting and training the agents how to hunt. But then when they hunt, then when they find something where in the past, we'd be like, all right, here's a list of investors, like get on the phone and try and see if one of these investors can buy it. Well, now we've figured out ways where maybe we go ahead and tie that property up. Is it something where the agents can participate into it, where maybe instead of taking a commission on something that would earn them 15 grand, they put that 15 grand into the deal and now they have cash flowing coming in or they invested in a property that's going to be a flipped property. Um, So of course, we're doing everything with our database. We're not getting away from the standard business. But when we look at where we're potentially looking for opportunities, it's how can we help our clients, even the people that own one property and I've never thought about doing more investment, how can we help them invest in real estate, knowing that the Denver area is going to continue growing stock market's super high priced right now. Um, it may not continue to, to create value. It may lose value where people housing is an issue nationwide and it's going to, it's not going to change. So if you're somebody who can, um, 
scrape together a little bit of money and buy something that can generate cash flow, it's going to work out well for you. Um, so that's a that's a big part of it is uh, focusing on um, as we encounter opportunities out there, instead of just immediately pitching them out, seeing who do we already know in our own backyard, in our own database that we can get creative. And instead of waiting to be order takers, where clients are telling us, I want this, I want this, we're, we're becoming order makers where it's like going to Nobu and ordering like the chef special, like, yeah, a bunch of that stuff I would never, ever order, but then I get it. And I'm like, that was fantastic. That, yeah. that was incredible. And so how can we be like that for our clients on a regular basis? Yeah, I love that. What I'm hearing a theme of, Stephen, the conversations I'm having um, a lot of recently, especially whether both on this podcast and just kind of private is really smart people I know, and I consider you to be one of them who are going deeper into the business they already have um, and not necessarily just wider. Uh, and when, for like, I'll even use myself as an example, not that I'm genius, but I think of even when I go wider, I go wider with the intention of how am I going to take people from that new batch and make sure they become part of the people I get to go deeper with over the years. And so mm-hmm. I, I, that's a, that's a theme that keeps coming up. And, um, and I think that for us to be able to survive as real estate professionals, um, over the coming, I don't know, couple of years maybe decade, whatever, we're going to have to, it's going to have to look different. It's not going to be, in my opinion, uh, super easy commissions and where Mm. we all just live off of commissions. I think there are other things that we have to tap into. And the great thing is, is as technology has changed, most people are afraid of technology. I'm embracing it because I think it actually enables a lot of this stuff to happen for people like you and me, where in the past, the only people that ever happened for was at first it was like the franchisors Mm -hmm. and then it became the franchise people who own franchises and independent brokerages. And now because of technology and the way things have come, and I think also the IQ in our industry, you know, we talked about guys like Andrew Franklin and yourself and so many of the other people that that we both know um, have really like shown that we got to get, we're going to a different level and it's, it's going to include looking at our business differently and more importantly, deeper. Yep. Very, very much so. And it all goes back to like, what's, what's important to you and why? Um, cause like Andrew, like I look at Andrew's business and I'm just in awe cause I mean, he's, be able, he's been able to create such an incredibly huge business. Um, and as the, as the number one agent in the EXP, uh, company, I mean, that's, that's huge. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, yet I also look at like some friends in town here. Um, like one of my good buddies, I remember having a conversation four years ago with him about it. And he was like, you know, I'm not really looking to grow my team. I'm looking to make a career for the people on my team so that they can hit their goals. And he was like, if I earn $200,000 a year, I'll be satisfied. If I'm above that, that's even better. And he goes, but I'm going to take 20 hour work weeks as my standard and not take a 80 hour work week. And he goes, I, like, I love that you're earning a bunch of money. And he goes, but I'm in early retirement and spend half of my year at like our vacation house up in North Idaho, half my year here. And so he knew what he wanted for him and his family. And that's just the model he's going after. Um, where like, it was something I wanted to 
pick up on was like with the stage talk. Like I, uh, I've, I've joked about this where like one of the best events for the people on my team is when we go to some of these events to hear other experts speak. Yet it's also probably one of the top reasons people leave the team. And because you take somebody who's been in a great role as a buyer's agent, a listing agent, just a, a broker associate on the team. And then they hear over and over about you're not a success unless you, um, yeah. unless you, you're doing multiple millions. And then when you actually look at the numbers of it, there's only a certain number of people per city that can't even do that. And like, I've had people that leave my team that are, that are netting over $300,000 a year because they want to do something way, way bigger. And a couple of them have gone on and been very successful, but the vast majority of them kind of take a step back down. Um, and so being comfortable and even as a leader, being comfortable in what is your goal? How, how much do you really want this? How focused are you going to be on it? And is this going to bring you that happiness that you want? Um, it's like, don't get me wrong. Like having a Lambo in the driveway would be amazing yet. Um, it's not going to make my relationship with my wife better. It's not going to make my relationship with my kids better. And that's the stuff that's going to give me long-term, long-term happiness. So, yeah, man, I, I think all that is so important. One of the, um, one of the things that helped me appreciate, start to really learn to appreciate my business even more was something uh, a mutual friend of ours, Reed Moore, said to me mm -hmm. one time. He, he talked about how he was, there was a point, um, and hopefully, Reed, you don't mind if I'm sharing this with the world uh, because you told me this in private, but here we go. You know, he talked to me, he was really, and there was a point where he was unhappy with the net profit in his business. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because he had built it up so much, but he had stepped out and was working on other projects. And then, he changed his viewpoint and he, he said something, something to the effect of, you know, when I, if I looked at it, like any of the other investments I have and just looked at the amount of money I'm making from my time put into it, it's actually pretty darn good. And it, it's, so I, he had to take off the hat of what would it look like when I, what did it look like when I was the operator to, okay, now that I'm the owner and not the operator, I've got to view it through a different lens. And I know for me that that gave me so much like perspective and, and even, you know, to this day peace, because there is like, there's a, there's, there's total money, but then there's the, how much money do I get for my hours worked or my hours contributed? And where does that line up? Like you said, with the time I want to spend with my family and my kids or myself for that matter. Right. And I think that's all stuff that doesn't get talked about enough in this business. Yeah, I, I very much agree. And I think owning it, if you, if it's a big deal to you, like it was a big deal to me to get validation from peers. And like, I think everyone in real estate, everyone in lending, anyone who deals with like a high amount of, um, of interactions with a client that can be very emotional. I think anyone, all of us need to have a counselor, a therapist, a business coach is fantastic, but having somebody else who can kind of, um, kind of set your expectations, kind of help, help you keep your true North star is so important. Like you mentioned, Reed, like, like Reed's my hero. I mean, he wasn't like, he didn't love where he was living in Alaska. He moved to like my home state, Coeur d'Alene or like my home city, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And now he's out on the lake that I always thought that I'd be like boating on. And he's out there all the time. Like the last time I actually was on the, on, on a boat on Coeur d'Alene Lake and uh, doing some fun was on Reed's boat. And so like, he, that's a great example of looking 
looking to someone who has, has a really good business structure and a really good life. Um, and not just looking at the example of like, like Elon Musk is incredible. Like, I think that guy is so brilliant. His book is phenomenal. Yet when you get to the point where it talks about how he had to have a helicopter, pick him up and drop him off, uh, for the camping trip and his family had already been flown there and they're already set up. Like that's, that's not necessarily the life that I want. Um, I'm not trying to get humanity to Mars. Um, so we've got very different, like goal sets there. Um, but looking at what that goal set is and then helping your people identify with that too. And that's where that like psychology of money book comes in so much. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had, uh, agents that are on my team and they're like, I need to get to 20 grand a month. And I'm like, amazing. What's it going to do when you're at 20 grand a month? And they're like, I'm going to be able to have this car. I'm going to be able to go to this place. I'm going to have this money coming in so that I can take these fun trips and I can buy this house and do all that. And I'm like, amazing. And now you just set it. So you're baseline on what you have to produce is this high level to just support all your stuff versus what would it look like to keep your, your baseline lower for a while and reinvest. Cause like, I'll be the first one to say, like, if I would have been even just a little smidgen smarter, instead of working to go get short sale properties, um, I would have gone directly to my relationships at the bank and had a funnel uh, from asset managers instead of hunting to find every cheap condo that I could sell to someone else and not think that uh, I could qualify for that. I would have looked for some people to invest in me a little more. And then I would have bought these properties. Like, like one of my fraternity brothers, like when it, when it started, he, he went and raised a little capital and they bought like 280 houses in Phoenix that then they, they held on to, And then they slowly started selling, I think four or five years later. And now he lives in Costa Rica yeah. and it's, it's not just being a transaction person. It's like, how can I maximize the transaction? And his investors are super stoked. I mean, they made like a 25% rate of return or something like that. So it's not like you're taking anything away from your clients. Um, it's just, you're now participating in it at a higher level. And that's what I want for all my team members. So, yeah, man, that's uh, gosh, that is so smart. I think um, that's, again, that's the crux of it is like, look, st- take a step back and look, look at this business differently. Um, because there are so many opportunities out there and, and we're going to be forced. I, again, I'm a firm believer. We're going to be forced. Uh, we already are being forced. We're just, some of us aren't aware of it yet to look at our business differently, to be able to, to maintain the type of business we want to have. Um, Steve, so as we start to wrap up here, let me ask you this. What, what's the topic or what's the thing I haven't asked you about or the question I haven't asked that I should have um, that, that we just haven't gotten to yet. Mm, that's a good question, man. Um, you know, I would, um, I would say something that's uh, like heavy on my mind right now that came from a, a good mutual friend of ours, Ben Kinney, is um, I have, uh, I've got goals of growing my business yet. How much am I really growing my people and how much am I spending time personally hunting to be in relationships with the right people, helping them connect with uh, their next level? Um, I think as a, as a leader, um, and if in what's funny is like, like if you look at his organization, if you look at like your organization and the amount of people that you've been able to attract into EXP, into your organization, um, into that North and South line, aligning yourself with the right people um, and making sure that you're getting value from those around you. Um, I think I think that's one of those things that gets um, gets over talked about, but then under analyzed and underplayed on the importance of it. Yeah. Um, and like, like we were both mentored early on by Gary Keller, who always said like, you need to be lead generating for, um, either for properties and, and for, uh, for sales or lead generating for talent. And that's probably the thing that's on my mind the most now is, um, 
how can I um, systematize and help people shorten their, um, the horizon from starting to being successful? How can I shorten that with the systems that I have? And if I don't have those systems, then how can I partner with people like you or people like Ben or other people out there who've been able to create something incredible um, so that I can do what I'm really good at. And then I can give that benefit to my people and it's going to help them step up more because we don't have to all recreate the wheel. We just have to figure out like, what's the best wheel, what's the best machine cog for us in our environment. Yeah. So that's so true. And where do I, where do I fit in? So that way, when we take my talents and my business or my skill set, and I attach it to yours, like what makes it go that, you know, what makes it go faster? How do, how yeah. do I, how do I make that thing grow? Uh, which is, but so, but you mentioned Ben last time you were in town, him and I, ended up hanging out for, for a day. And, um, you know, that's one thing I love about his vision of, of his company place is to me, it's actually that what we just discussed coming, kind of coming to life, very similar, different, but similar to what you just described with how I view my EXP business. Um, and, and even my, even my real estate team, cause it's about, Hey, when I, when I lock arms with these people, um, I bring this to the table, they bring that to the table and together it's, it's worth so much more than they are, you know, apart. And I think that's truthfully what it's all about. And, um, yeah, so I think, that was, that you know, it's funny. It's on. like, it's, it's, it's all about the ego and like every yeah. one of us has an ego and like you and I've talked about this, like, I can't even tell you how many times, like if our egos were even like this much better or smaller than like five years ago, 10 years ago, we would, so many of us would have figured out a way to partner up early and, and not like second guess what's the other one doing. We'd be focusing on like what we're really good at trusting the other person. You still inspect it, but you trust them. And I think that's when I, when I go back to like, if you're a solo agent out there, if you're a, if you're running a small team, if you're running a big team, like figure out like, where are you good? Where can you use someone else's help? And, and ideally have enough, um, 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 self-awareness to know like where you're amazing and where you need to ask questions and help and, and have some humility. So. Dude, that's solid. Dude, that is solid, solid advice. I don't care. Like you said, if you could be a solo agent or running a team, like that is actually really solid advice. And I think we should end on that, man. That was really good, Steve. Before we do that, uh, someone wants to, some, one of our listeners, if they want to follow you, kind of catch up with you, reach out to you, whatever, what's the best place for people to do that at? Yeah, totally. So you can, uh, you can find me on, uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, uh, just under my name, Stephen Pilkington, um, my, my team, it's the path home team. You can go to our website, path home team. Um, my contact information is on there, so I'm not trying to hide myself. So if anyone out there wants to have a conversation, just shoot me a text. Um, and I'm happy to contribute and help out. Even if it's just running an idea that wanted to know if it would work for your area and if I can help with that. So awesome, man. All right, guys. I appreciate it. As always, thanks so much. And uh, Steve, thanks a lot for being a guest on the Kevin and Fred show, dude. Kevin, thank you so much, my man. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Today's episode is brought to you by Kevin and Fred's community at eXp Realty. Learn why over 1,000 real estate agents joined eXp Realty last week. Join us for an informational webinar this Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Register at intro to exprealty.com.